Hey, welcome to Transform Pain to Power, the podcast about what it really takes to resolve pain and the simple, unconventional yet proven techniques to get you there most quickly. Listen in for high-level creative conversation to inspire you to engage with the life that you want in a body that you love. Episode 14. Today we're going to talk about belief. <laughs> the B word. We're going to talk about how belief forms and how it informs us and our thoughts and our mood and our feelings and our attitude to life. <laughs> um, that's a little bit of a a trigger word for me because I just think, so what if I have a bad attitude? <laughs> it reminds me of a parent or an adult, I guess, telling me to change my attitude as a kid. That's the relationship that I have with that word. So you might not, but anyway, we're going to talk about that even if it does trigger you into a rebellion of <laughs> some mini rebellion <laughs> of some kind. And we're going to talk about all of this in relation to chronic pain and really how to resolve chronic pain because that's what we're interested in, right? Resolving chronic pain. If you haven't yet signed up for the free workshop that's happening this Friday, you need to. <laughs> It's going to be so good. I'm going to do some live coaching for some curious and brave soul. And I'm going to do group coaching for everybody else that has questions. I'm going to answer everybody's questions and everybody's going to get to be guided through this process together. So it's going to be wonderful and revealing and insightful for you in terms of your own brain. So make sure you sign up for that. There's a link in the show notes. Okay, today I want to start by asking you a question, which is what belief or beliefs are you living from? What beliefs are driving your actions and your modus operandi why are you making the choices that you are making why are you reacting in the way that you are reacting to the world I guarantee that for the most part the answer to this question is not going to be immediately apparent so I'm asking this question to guide your thinking so that you can kind of be with it over the next several days and observe your actions, your reactions, your thoughts, your feelings, so that you can start to get some sense of what it is that is like what the beliefs are that are driving that experience of the world or that interpretation of the world. I'm going to talk all about how this relates to our emotions and how that feeds or or 
resolves chronic pain, you know, which direction you're moving in. But I want to start by giving you a little bit of an example. Because unless you've really examined this question before, it can be very difficult to get inside the sort of maze of your own mind and parse apart what's what. Because the belief that you're operating from at this moment in time feels true. It feels like just the way it is. So it can be very difficult to recognize. It's like, can you see the air? No. But if you slow right down and you pay really close attention, you can feel the air as it comes in and out of your nose or your mouth and enters your lungs. You can sometimes, if you slow down, see air in the limbs of the trees, right, as you're walking. It doesn't have to be blowing a gale, right, to see things that otherwise would be invisible to you because they are just a part of your reality. So here's the example I want to share with you. And there's so many examples, but this is just the first one that came to me. So I was out on a walk with my kids on the beach where we live. And we went to a new area, which was also a dog park. And we didn't realize that it was a dog park. But anyway, it was a huge beach. So we went out. And a dog park, of course, is where people let their dogs roam free. And my daughter happens to have a fear of dogs, which comes and goes in different stages of her life as she ages and meets dogs and then has not a great experience. And, you know, anyway, there's a history there, right? It's my point. And I have a very triggered, triggered response to being around dogs and my daughter. I'm like very heightened, sensitive, and I can feel my nervous system ratchet up to like threat zone and I'm on guard. (laughs) And I have had many, 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 many experiences of having uh, total freakouts with my daughter at, you know, from toddler age of toddlerhood being out and about in a park, having my other, having my younger daughter as a baby and trying to, you know, enjoy ourselves at the park and deal with all the things that you're dealing with as a mom. And a dog comes up and, you know, my daughter goes into hysterics. And then the owner saying, oh, he or she won't hurt anybody. Referring to the dog, of course. I'm like, are you talking about me? Because I might hurt somebody. No, I'm kidding. Talking about their dog. And of course, no, not of course. My reaction was to get in a fury. Like she already or he, whatever the dog is, has hurt somebody. Your dog has hurt me and he's hurt my daughter. Can't you see? We're both freaking out. (laughs) And so I have this history myself and with my daughter in relation to dogs and I've been working through it so there's been a lot of growth but also I haven't been working like through it so diligently that it doesn't exist anymore it still is there because you know my interest in working on it is kind of minimal (laughs) which is really important 
So one day we were at the beach and here we were walking along beautiful and this big puppy comes up to my daughter and she freaks out and the puppy starts yapping and jumping and getting exciting and she's completely lost it and the more she screams the more the puppy jumps at her and it was kind of terrible because <laughs> she screams really loud bless her um, or she wears her emotions totally um, on the outside <laughs> which is wonderful in so many ways and also difficult in other social contexts so it was very challenging and I was trying to remain calm as you do and you know work on this fear anyway so we got through it we got around it it passed owners moved on we moved on and we were all shaken and this woman walked up with her dog as she passed me and said you know this is a dog park and the way that i heard that through the frame that i was in in that moment was uh, that she was telling me off. This is like a um, British term. So if you're not British, <laughs> she was telling me that I might be in the wrong place and that I should, you know, deal with my daughter because this is a place for dogs. This is what I heard. And in a restrained way, I said something along the lines of, yes, I know my daughter's just scared of dogs. I don't know, something like that. But I walked away feeling furious with this person for having the gall to tell me that I should, you know, look after my daughter. And of course, because I'm like, everybody look after your dog. <laughs> This is the war, the ongoing war between me and the dogs. I really like dogs, okay? I actually do. Um, so anyway, we kind of collect ourselves. We roam around for a little bit, not much longer. And on our way back to the car, it suddenly dawns on me that that woman was very likely saying to me, hey, this is a dog park, you know? just like as a warning to uh, to tell me hey you might want to know this is a dog park that might happen and if it's not if you don't feel comfortable there's going to be lots of dogs running around just in case you don't know that I want you to know that like as a way to help me <laughs> not to hurt me or lash out at me and all of a sudden dawned on me that she might have been speaking to me with that intention. And I, in my own frame of mind, had no ability to perceive that intention. Yeah. So my belief was in that moment, it's me against the dog owners, <laughs> not the dogs, because, you know, dogs are dogs, but feeling very much like my belief is, dog owners care more about their dogs than they do about me and my daughter. I have to protect my daughter. I have to assume this kind of armor and believing all the thoughts around that kind of those, those circumstances that 
then take me to a certain kind of emotional place, right? Where I'm like sensitive and triggered, like easily triggered. So I had this wonderful moment where I had a realization about an entirely different perspective that just in the next emotional state when I was relaxed and I could reflect, I could perceive, ah, oh, interesting. And then that, of course, creates another emotional state, which was, well, to be honest, in that moment, there was a little bit of embarrassment. And I was like, oh, I hope I wasn't rude. (laughs) And also gratitude. I was like, oh, gosh, that person was maybe looking out for me. Oh, wow, that was nice of them. That was thoughtful. They were reaching out to let me know something to be nice. (laughs) Right? So I don't know to this day what the intention of that person was, right? I kind of think it was probably to be nice, but I really don't know. It might just be because that's what I want it to be. I want to believe. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter because it's all about the perception that I have in that moment, right? The perception that you have will be fueled by the beliefs that you carry and also by your emotional state. And your emotional state and the beliefs that you carry, they feed each other. It's a feedback loop. So here's how it works. You build up experience through having life, you know, living your life. You build up experience. And what happens is your brain starts to categorize those experiences into uh, truth. It starts to create meaning and story around the experiences that you have. And it says, this is what this is, that is what that is. And your brain, to a certain extent, relies on things being true in order to operate successfully in life. Like, this is a tomato, not a strawberry. (laughs) And if you eat a strawberry thinking it's a tomato, it will be very gross, right? So your brain utilizes that information for your well-being and for this ease of living your life. But what can happen is that we can over-rely on that information if we don't continue to be present and to question what our brain is deciding for us without our will, without our own desire for how we want to be experiencing the world and to be present in the world. Right? If we're just operating by default mode, our brain will rely on all of those default conclusions that it's drawn from past experiences. And in particular from past experiences where we maybe weren't as insightful as we are now, right? So for me in that place, in an emotional state of fear, that's my emotional state. Um, very quickly fear and then that falls in line with the belief that dogs are not safe 
that this is a problem situation, that this is bad, um, that I can't handle this, all the things that are part of that relationship and are part of those sort of those triggering factors, those triggering circumstances, they get reaffirmed by the emotional state, right? I think the thought, "Uh uh-oh, this is no good. I get scared. Scared says, yeah, you're right. You were right. It's not good. (laughs) And then we go building on top of each other. You know, we being me, my fear, and my brain. So the way to move outside of that is to see, first to just know that these are different pieces that are at play and to experience them distinct from each other as separate from each other. Now in the moment, it doesn't always mean that you can do this in the moment of a trigger, like the fear or whatever. What you do the way that you use this information is that you use it in hindsight to review an experience, to examine your thoughts about a certain situation, how you felt about it or how you are feeling about it, and then what are some of the beliefs that you're holding that contribute to that feeling and the, those thoughts, yeah? And then to kind of piece them apart and when you start to look at them and feel them as distinct parts of your experience you can start to see that there's some space in between there that potentially there's another perspective potentially there's another thought that is kind of waiting there just waiting for some room so that it can you know be seen be experienced And then you take that sort of after the fact processing of an experience and you think, how would I like to experience these circumstances or similar circumstances the next time in the future? Now, what's really cool, this is super cool, is that you don't have to actually go through those circumstances again to change your relationship and your your beliefs and your thoughts. And when I say change, what I really want to say here is to generate a change. Because you can't change. The way forward is not to say, I now think this or I want to believe that, so I will replace this belief with another one. It, because it's a organic process where beliefs and thoughts kind of have to be birthed. They have to be realized. You can't force yourself to believe or think something on top of something else, right? You can't smother <laughs> a thought away. So... In this process, you open up to really looking at the experience and being open to seeing the experience and these distinct components for what they are without trying to change them first. Now, if you're not sure about how to separate these different components of your experience, 
that's the workshop. If you want to learn a process to do that for yourself, that's when you want to come to the workshop. I will guide you through that process, which helps you to distinguish what's what out of your experience. What's a belief? What's true? What's a belief that you believe in, (laughs) which feels true, but maybe is not really true. And when you really look at it, it's like, do you want to continue to believe that? And if the answer is yes, that's fine. There's no right answer here. And if the answer is no, because you don't like the fallout from that belief or the effect of it, that's fine too. As soon as you realize that something is a belief and not a fact, you have the opportunity to be open to other possibilities. Not to make that belief go away, but just to be open, open, open. So the only way that I was able to have that insight about that experience on the beach with that lovely woman, I mean, genuinely, she was really nice, (laughs) very calm demeanor, you know, and here I am like, yeah, I know. Um, No, to have that insight after the fact was because of all the thought work that I've done on this kind of, these kinds of experiences to really understand so clearly how my brain builds beliefs without my like say so, you know, believing all kinds of things without me deciding or choosing to believe in those things. I'm really interested in this lately because there are certain things that I'm trying to see in my life and shift in my life. And I feel what it feels like. I think I mentioned this last week on the podcast is like I'm in a room and I know that there's a way out, (laughs) but all I can see are the walls of the room. And I know that there are other ways to perceive the same situation that are not so uh, problem oriented, right? I think a lot of us see problems. We see things that are wrong. We see faults. And it's very hard for us to see things that are good, that are going well, to see all the things that are working. And I'm really working on shifting my view towards what's actually good right now. And it's interesting because if I'm in an emotional state that is low, let's just say, it can be very hard for me to see what's working. And even if I find things that are working and acknowledge them, it feels like, yeah, I guess. You know, it doesn't have that energy behind it. Um, And the way that I always am able to work out of it to a place where I am like, yes, this is working and I get that clearly. Yeah, the way that I move my emotional state and my thinking state is by looking at what I'm believing about the situation. So this goes back to an earlier podcast where you ask yourself again, what does this mean? What am I making this mean? You could ask yourself that or simply, 
What am I believing about this situation right now? And then write it down. And you'll find out so much about how your mind is working. And here's the thing. You can't change the way your mind is working until you know how it's working. Awareness is essential. It's like the precursor or the precondition or the prerequisite. All those things. So that's where you have to start. And what's wonderful about starting there is that it feels so clarifying. I promise if you do this work for yourself, you will be genuinely grateful. You won't have to pretend. (laughs) Because it's like the question is, do you want to feel more clear? Do you want to have more clarity in yourself, in your mind? Do you want to feel less confused about how you operate and the choices that you make and about, you know, um, trying to do something? If you find yourself like you want to be a, quote, good person, you don't want to get mad at your spouse or your kid or whatever it is. You don't want to have that reaction and you try to not have that reaction It's never, or it's always going to be a battle with yourself until you get into the infrastructure of what is fueling or what is behind that reaction. What are the beliefs? Now, in terms of how this relates to chronic pain, this is so important because can you see how if I am in that triggered state of fear, Every time I go outside, there's dogs everywhere. Hello. Um, If I'm in that place, it's stressful. Yeah. So we carry beliefs through our days, through our lives that create all of this unnecessary stress and pressure. We create the anxiety from the beliefs that we're holding that we believe to be true. And this in turn creates a sense of threat, which creates prolonged, creates chronic pain in many different manifestations. Chronic joint pain, headaches, abdominal pain, uh, all kinds of things surface with this prolonged state of stress. And it all comes down to looking at what is creating my experience. What are the beliefs that undergird my experience and my reaction in this situation? And once you get inside there and you realize that you can take it apart, it's like, wow, how cool is that? (laughs) I don't have to live without any control. I don't have to just be subject to all of this stress around me anymore. Yeah, it takes time to move through it and figure out your way through it. But it's like the keys to the castle. (laughs) And it also opens the door to experiencing the relationship between the thoughts the emotional state, and the physical reaction. Once you start to piece them apart, you start to be able to see those relationships, to see that 
causation of one and the other or one on the other. And then that gives you the understanding, the evidence of how you can then make changes, how you can then move toward the direction that you want to move in and create the kind of uh, response and perception of the world that you want to have. Yeah. The last thing I'll leave you with is that as you go through this process, if you do and you're doing it on your own, the pitfall that people fall into is that they want to jump to the belief that they desire or they want to jump to the place where everything's great and magical and they're at the top of the castle. (laughs) But listen, here's the thing inside the castle or whatever you want to call it, however, whatever metaphor you want to use, all the same emotions still get experienced. It's just that they don't control every aspect of your reality. Yeah. And that you have to move through what is now in order to get to where you want to go. It's like that children's uh, rhymes, like you can't go over it, can't go under it. We've got to go through it. And they go through the mud and they go through the woods and they go through the water and they go through the experience of everything of where they're at in that moment in time. And that's what you have to uh, be open to doing. And that's the beauty, going through that experience and not feeling like you have to miss it out or skip it out. That's life and that's being human and present with all that is human. And the capacity to do that is what resolves chronic pain. Not getting to a place where everything is wonderful and you're sitting on the throne, right? No, it's being able to go through it and be present as you go through it. That's the cure for chronic pain. That's what's going to resolve things for you. The ability to be present through the muck and the mud and the water and the woods, through the entirety of the human experience. That is where the gold lies. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, you've got to come check out my new free workshop where I will walk you through this incredible self-coaching process that I find extremely powerful and has made the biggest impact in people's lives. It is like I would call the key component uh, to finally breaking through those mental barriers and getting so much insight into where you're stuck in your mind and creating tension in your body unnecessarily. And when you become aware of that, that's when you start being able to break it down and carve a new path. It is the missing key for so many people. So I highly recommend that you come check that out. It's free and I want to share it with you. I want to share it with the world. 
So come and check it out. You can find out where to sign up for that by going to the show notes. There will be a link there. You can also go to my website and get on my mailing list. That's www.movetonourish.com. That's move, T-O, nourish.com. You can also find me on Facebook as Move to Nourish or in the Facebook group From Pain to Power. Lots of different places to find me and to be able to find out about the workshop and all the free offerings that I give. But mostly, make sure you come on now so that you get in in time to come check out the free workshop. It's going to be really awesome. And it has the potential to change the game entirely for you. So do come check that out and I will see you there. Have a great week.